Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of Breaking Glass from Compass Data Centers. I have with me today Heather Dooley, who is the chair of I Am Women for iMasons. I'm Nancy Novak, Chief Innovation Officer for Compass Data Centers. Heather, it's so great to have you with us. Thank you, Nancy. Um, it's always wonderful to have a chance to chat with you, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, we have a lot to unpack here, and Heather and I have known each other for quite some time. Heather is a former executive for both Microsoft and Google, and now we work together with iMasons on the I Am Women Committee, and I tell you, we have a lot of complicated and many, many layers of things that we want to talk about related to diversity and gender parity. To start us out, one of the most complicated um, issues that we're having with gender parity in our, in our business and in all businesses right now is the setback that women have experienced due to, due to COVID-19. And I'd love to unpack this a little bit, Heather, and kind of, you know, be able to tell the audience some of the things that we're seeing. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, hitting that topic first, that'd be great. Thanks, Nancy. Yeah, it is actually um, quite devastating. Um, you know, we've been on a campaign to increase uh, gender parity across technology. And in fact, what we've seen uh, during the pandemic is that um, 2.4 million women have dropped out of the workforce during the first 12 months of the pandemic. You know, that represents over $800 billion worth of lost income. Um, in addition, a CNBC report recently came out and said that an additional 38% of women surveyed in tech plan to leave their jobs in the next two years. And so all of the progress that we've been making in building up the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and building gender parity into our workforce seems to be um, moving backwards instead of forwards. Yeah, I just, I mean, it just breaks my heart to hear these statistics. They're, they're absolutely shocking. Um, I really feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding about the whys behind that. Um, so, you know, the progress that we are making, the trajectory that now has reversed is something that we really need to address. And I feel like understanding some of the whys might help us do that. Yep. Um, in similar reports, um, what we're seeing is that women are overwhelmingly looking for increased flexibility, um, that, you know, career opportunities and progression is one of the most important things that women look for when thinking about their uh, careers and the jobs that they go to. Um, in addition to that, um, you know, women have had a disproportionate amount of housework and childcare throughout the pandemic compared to men, and it's driving um, burnout. And so what we see is that more women are, you know, in positions where they're having to make extremely difficult choices between their career and about their um, responsibilities at home. You know, you can even extend that into the workforce where you see women who um, often take on um, more of the well-being um, programs, um, they're shouldering the advancement of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which means, you know, basically their workloads, if they decide to stay in their career, just continues to go up and up. Um, I think pay equity is another area that really needs to have further focus. Um, the Nat Geo October edition came out with an incredible report around pay equity um, across uh, different intersections of women and race. 
At pay equity, uh, for example, um, it'll take until 2055 at the current trajectory uh, for our trajectory. It'll take in until 2055 at the current trajectory for white women to experience pay equity. For black women, that's 112 years. And even worse for Latinas, uh, it's 199 years, according to the Nat Geo report, where essentially women would experience pay equity. That, wow. I've seen a lot of those numbers too. And it's still it still boggles the mind because every time I feel like we're kind of on that trajectory that's going to stay steady state, it feels like we get the, a hiccup. And this is like a, not just a hiccup, but a major hurdle that we're having to, to get over. And it is interesting to me, you know, when, when we look at systemically the, the care providing, you know, portion of people's lives that falls on the shoulders of women, particularly, and where the careers are, you know, decided upon based on you know, who takes the, the, the debt of the childcare, right? Um, so who, which salary gets hit with that versus, you know, um, gets to continue to grow in their careers. And, and you know, I, and I think a lot of it, um, Heather, I don't know if you, you know, how much everybody agrees with this, but a lot of it, in my opinion, is um, it's a personal choice based on, you know, or it should be. I would love for it to be a personal choice based on, you know, what, you know, not just women want, but what couples want. And I feel like systemically, there, there's so much built in to our system that doesn't allow those that choice to be made um, when it comes to that equity over caring, you know, for children or parents or you know just care providers in general. So, so I really, I really think that's important. I think it's good for us to understand that because those are the areas that we should be able to tackle. Now, you know, along these same lines, you know, we we are um, very interested in women in STEM. Clearly, right. So, you know, the fact that women are more likely to enroll in STEM courses, I think, is another fascinating thing for us to think about, because it feels to me like we've been filling the pipeline in on the in the academic areas. But maybe, um, you know, we have we have a lot to work on when it comes to filling that pipeline within our industry and then advancing those women within our industry as well, because it it seems to me like we could maybe make some of those decisions or those those changes in our businesses at the top level, if we can get that advancement, you know, um, ticked off when it comes to gender. So what, how do you feel like, what are some of the, the um, ideas around that that you'd like to share with us? Well, I, I want to go back to um, something that you just mentioned, and, and that's um, really the, the opportunity for us to continue to enhance um, women in um, STEM degrees. Um, the Coursera enrollments, as you mentioned, have gone up significantly um, in the last two years, which is fantastic um, for entry-level professional certificates. But another side of that story is that, um, according to Harvard Business Review, um, only 18% of the certificates that are offered through career and tech education were actually sought by employers. So what you see is this increase in, in women um, interested in advancing uh, their opportunity by taking some of these entry-level professional certifications. Um, and I think that that's fantastic. But if there's a misalignment on what employers are actually seeking, and only 18% of the certificates offered right, are um, things that are actually sought by employers, uh, then we have a, a gap that's starting way at the front end of the funnel, if you will, right? We talk about pipeline talent as a, as a 
total pipeline and the funnel part is incredibly important. Bring new talent into the industry, but also making sure people stay in the industry as well. Sure. I mean, I'm wondering if that misalignment has anything to do with like the decision makers at the top levels, you know, or, you know, like, or maybe policymakers. I, I'm not sure, but Again, I think I, it's I, the systemic piece that you've mentioned, right? Yeah. The, you know, you have to look at, at, at all of the decision um, of uh, crossroads in hiring, in retention, in promotion, right? All of those need to be evaluated. And, you know, we're just running around with statistics right now, but just that one is quite startling to me, right? That it means that, you know, when we think about pipeline development and education, we might be um, misaligned when it comes to the expectations of employers and these um, you know, certifications that are being promoted throughout the industry. Yeah. You know, the other thing is interesting is the certifications also lend to the, um, the credential part, right? So, and women like to be heavily credentialed. And I, I think there is some of that um, systemic behavior as well on seeing potential, whether it's with, um, you know, skill sets that are more attribute based versus, you know, checking a box with a, with a certain certificate. Um, I think that's very fascinating. Hey, I have a great question for you, Heather. So I know you've seen some trends on startup companies, right? Um, and, you know, and kind of like, and there's one kind of anomaly in, in this in this whole trend uh, where we're looking at, you know, the, them following similar patterns when it comes to, you know, representation of women on boards and things like that. I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that. Yep. Um, thank you. I think that, um, you know, let's go back to uh, a fundamental when it comes to developing opportunities for women. And, and one of those is role models. Um, and you need to have role models across each of the leadership through management, through first line workers um, across an organization. And, you know, there's very few women in senior leadership roles. So if you're thinking about coming into a, a career in an industry, you know, you're looking to evaluate uh, that opportunity or that employer just as much as that employer is looking to evaluate you. But if you're a woman, you might be earlier in your career, or, or maybe you're even thinking about a career change. And as you evaluate those companies and you look for the role models, someone that looks like you, and there's no one there um, to identify with, you don't really see yourself in those careers. Um, you know, when we think about boards and, and senior leadership roles, there has been some progress. Um, and, you know, at the state level, it's really where, um, from a policy standpoint, there's the most progression. Um, you know, the state of California has required that uh, there's, I think it's two board roles for every um, uh, uh, publicly traded company in the state of California. They must have... Um, people who are more representative of the population. And so um, essentially you're looking for women, looking for people of color, looking for representation at those board levels. But that happens state by state. Um, you know, one of the other areas that I think is really important to kind of unpack is, you know, when we think about private equity and we think about um, where all of these billions of dollars of transactions are happening in our industry. You know, we had what I, ca I call the, the $25 billion Monday a few um, weeks ago. And, you know, if private equity firms and, and companies who are considering mergers and acquisitions put more of an emphasis on the importance of diversity 
into the strategy, um, you could actually see um, companies reacting and, and being held a little bit more accountable um, to ensuring that people and leadership are, again, more representative of the population that they're serving. It's amazing to me, the business case around, um, you know, having gender parity at any level, board levels, management level. Um, there's It's a huge business case. The economic value of, of having that, you know, pro- providing the opportunity to all is just absolutely huge. Um, I really wanted to get into a little bit of what your work is, is, um, is accomplishing and what your goals are with Infrastructure Masons and the IM Women as, as chair of the IM Women group. Um, I know I work with you closely on that. And so obviously I'm, I'm very familiar with some of the things that we're doing, but I would love for you to expound on that for our audience a little bit. You bet. Um, so, you know, Nancy, when, when we took on um, our roles within um, Infrastructure Masons, we really looked for a, an opportunity to set a target um, and uh, to, to put something in place where it was aspirational. Um, and what we determined was, um, you know, at the very least, let's strive for gender parity. And so the challenge that uh, we've taken in the industry is uh, to have gender parity in our industry by 2025. Now, you know, when you think about the Uptime Institute's report, um, which was in 2020, um, you know, only 75% of the participating firms reported that they had, um, you know, maybe 20% of uh, women representing design, build, or operations. And then a staggering um, 25% had absolutely no women in their organization. And so the opportunity is huge, right? And, and this is pre-pandemic. Um, and so despite the numerous studies on the importance of gender diversity to the point that you just made on financial returns and innovation and better working cultures, um, this particular industry has a lot of, um, I'll say, opportunity to increase on uh, gender parity. And so what we've done over the last year is we've really looked at the intersection of gender parity. And we produced a series of webinars, publications, education opportunities um, for women um, and to build more awareness of the in- incredible women we already have in our workforce. But again, again, right, if you go back to role models and seeing is believing, right, putting those women at the, the front lines of um, our podcasts, our webinars, our education, um, helps other women experience real world pathways uh, for their own careers. And so, you know, I'm super proud of the work that we've done over the last year uh, to increase an awareness around gender parity. Um, We've had some incredible companies um, stand up and say, yes, I'm for this as well, um, and continue to sponsor our work. We will continue our work in 2022 um, because, of course, you know, we want to achieve gender parity uh, over the next few years. Um, but what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're very cognizant of the intersection of women. So that includes the intersection of race, uh, the intersection of um, women early in their careers, um, the intersection of women who um, might be um, more advanced in their careers and, and bringing a voice to them. That's awesome, and I know I know that there's a there's a best practices guide that people can find on the I Masons website under the I am Women tab, and so there's ways for you guys to reach out and and find out more of the the series of events that are happening, including advocacy and 
you know, branding for yourself and, you know, really being your, being your whole self, you know, and when you get to work and just lots of great mentorship from some really amazing women. So I want to make sure our audience knows that there's, there's a the repository of information there and ways you can reach out and, you know, and really understand, you know, what we're doing at I am, I Masons and with I am women um, within that organization. Um, I do have another question really quick, and then I'd love for you to give us some closing thoughts, Heather. Um, so when it comes to um, firms, you know, giving advice to firms about how to do better when it comes to any kind of diversity, but especially gender parity. Uh, you know, I, I know you have some strong feelings about the whether you have, you know, whether it's a steering committee or whether it's, um, you know, hiring uh, specialty people or like, you know, putting certain people in positions to be able to, you know, bring about some awareness. And um, and I, I would love for you to share those thoughts because I think they're very powerful and I think it might help some of the listeners understand, you know, maybe some more effective ways to, to tackle that. I think it's a great question, Nancy. Um, and, and before I start this, I, I want to uh, preface it with, you know, there's incredible work being done across a variety of different firms um, in our industry. And, and I want to honor and respect that work. Um, but what I would like to um, encourage companies to think about is that DEI, in my opinion, so diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, in my opinion, isn't um, committee work. It's not a Styrico. It's not a bolt-on. It needs to be intentional. It needs to be part of the core strategy of every company. Um, and so to me, uh, again, the work that's being done across a variety of different companies, I honor and respect it. And I've been engaged and involved in it myself. Um, I believe it's incredibly important. But again, if, if that work is expected to be a bolt-on or committee-level work, um, and that work falls on the shoulder of women to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, it means that their workload's just going up. Um, and, you know, 52% of the women, um, you know, surveyed uh, have already suggested that their workload during a pandemic is already increasing. So putting that burden um, on women is actually um, not as uh, effective as ensuring that's part of your core everyday strategy. Um, you know, when we think about the um, benefits of diversity and, and inclusion and equity, um, we need to think about the benefits to an industry as a whole. Um, and to me, you know, one of the key benefits is, is not only, you know, the, the economic um, incentive, but also innovation. And, and to me, innovation is what is critical in this industry for us to continue to expand at the rate that um, our demand uh, continues to explode. Um, and so how do you create a, a, you know, an innovation culture? Um, and, and how do you make sure that you know, all of the voices in the room are um, being respected? I, I think that that has um, you know, so, some real valid uh, discussions that I think you and I can have you know, today around, gosh, what do you do in a culture um, to and foster and empower innovation? Yeah. Oh, and you know, I love that topic. I love, I love the innovation topic. And I mean, it, you know, it seems obvious, but I guess it's not so much. But, um, you know, having diversity of thought, you know, does take, you know, diversity of culture, diversity of gender, diversity of experience. Um, and to be able to really, you know, garner all of that talent and experience um, is so important for to be, be to be more innovative. 
I always like to, you know, tell folks, you know, it's it's just a human thing, right? I mean, humans are limited. Our, our brains only know what we've been taught and what we've experienced. So if you've, you know, if you've had very similar people thinking and at that decision-making level that have kind of experienced the same similar things throughout their lives, you're, you're never going to be able to bring in the other diversity of thought that you really need. So that's, but that also adds to that business case that we were talking about. Um, which is very compelling, and um, and I would encourage folks to look that up as well. So on on a closing note, I would love for you to wrap this up for our younger listeners, because I really think that um, we we do have a great um, platform of listeners who are looking up to you know the executives in our industry. So for our younger listeners, what are your closing thoughts, Heather, on diversity and um, inclusion and par- basically gender parity in our business, and you know where I guess where it's headed but also kind of like maybe the silver lining around that. I think it's critically important for companies uh, to remember that uh, folks who are interviewing for roles in your organization um, should be interviewing um, what the culture looks like and if the values uh, that your um, new employees are expecting are actually uh, available, if you will, in the company's, um, you know, charter, in their mission, in their vision. And, and so, you know, it's not just a paper exercise. You would expect that uh, future employees are interviewing you just as much as you are interviewing them. Um, and so, you know, my my signal, if you will, or my call to action uh, for the, the next generation of workers is to, to really evaluate companies and the sense of purpose uh, that they um, have. Uh, do they meet those values that are important to you, whether it's flexibility, whether it's learning and env- learning and development environments, uh, whether it's p- career progression, who are the role models? Um, can you see yourself succeeding um, in that company? Uh, I think that that is something that I, I want everyone to take um, a little bit more control of in um, when they think about their careers, but also for organizations to remember um, that you know that's your commitment back to those future employers employees. Outstanding. That's such good advice. So I, I really know our listeners are going to enjoy that. Um, it's been so great, so great, Heather. Every time we get together, I feel like we could just talk for hours. So thank you so much for joining Breaking Glass. And um, I look forward to talking again with the iMasons and I Am Women group. Thank you so much, Nancy. Again, always a pleasure having a chance to chat. And I look forward to all of the work that we'll do together going forward. Absolutely.